0: G3 assistance through Virginia's community colleges is your pathway to a new future. Helping those who qualify, pay for school, and train for the right career. Right where you are, right now. Learn more at vccs.edu forward slash G3.
1: Coming up, one of the most decorated superstars in all of WWE continues to make an impact on Friday Night SmackDown. The Celtic warrior, Sheamus, makes his triumphant return to the podcast as ATB starts Now. Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, and what a show we have for you this week. I'm stoked. Can't wait to get to it. Big-time interview with the Celtic Warrior coming up in a few moments, but I want to take a second to just reminisce about the fun that was had on Friday Night SmackDown. Awesome tribute to The Undertaker. Obviously, if you read news, you know there was some curveballs thrown our way. Made the most of it. Uh, It turned out to be quite awesome. I could watch the Boneyard match over and over and over again. And it bled into some really cool, fun storylines. King Corbin, Jeff Hardy. uh, I I dug it. It was fun. And that's all I'm going to say. There's a lot more to get to with the guy I'm about to speak to conspicuous by his absence this Friday night, but he is here now. We have found him. He is the Celtic warrior, Seamus. Seamus, how the hell are you, sir? What's going on, man? How are you doing? Oh, could always be worse. Always could be worse. The last time I had you on uh, after the bell, you were just about to return to the ring, I believe. Yes. And uh, so it's been, holy cow, almost six months now since the Royal Rumble. It's just crazy how fast this year has... uh, Happened <laughs> just just saying that out loud is like, Whoa, you, last time we talked, you had said something to the effect of you have more passion now than you did when you debuted. Have you been able to maintain that through all this crazy times and circumstance?
0: Yeah, I feel like I have. It's funny when I talked to in the beginning, I was doing all these backstage promos mm-hmm. um, in, a, in, in random corridors and different arenas all over the states. And I guess I felt like when I came back initially. I was just brought back for the sake of bringing me back because I'd been on the sidelines for so long. And I I don't think it was a definite plan when I came back. Um, I did this thing with Shorty G that was pretty disappointing because Shorty G himself is an awesome, awesome athlete, man, awesome wrestler. But we ended up like doing the match uh, at the Royal Royal Rumble. You were commentating, obviously, and there was nobody in the building, right? Because it was like. (laughs) It was still smiling in, yeah, yeah. There's, there's some sort of ticket issue. So here I am. I haven't wrestled in almost a year since I I left in the SmackDown after WrestleMania, and then I'm coming back, and it's supposed to be this big thing coming back, and you know I'm excited to wrestle Shorty because you know he's so it's such an exciting uh, wrestler, and I come out and uh, there's nobody out there. It was it's actually you know what it hey, prepares
1: you for things to they come. Prepare right? me for this. <laughs> prepare me for this.
0: It's probably the same amount of people in that arena for my match with Shorty G at the Royal <laughs> Rumble as there is at the PC right now for SmackDown. Right. I think, oh man, it's funny you say that, it's, it's How ironic is that?
1: Yeah, it's it's absolutely crazy. But to that point, it's. I know I've talked to a lot of the guys. It's obviously a totally different situation to be doing essentially live television in front of no fans whether it be mm-hmm. WrestleMania or just Raw or SmackDown. How do you keep mentally strong during all this? Like, how, how do you keep going through these weird times?
0: You know what? In the beginning, if you'd asked me that, we'd done this interview about two months ago, three months ago. I'd probably have a really definite answer for you. But the strange thing is like, this is the norm right now. It's kind of mm-hmm. hard to think back to wrestling in front of the crowd because it's been so long. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was over in Europe when uh, this thing just started spiraling out of control. I was over for... I was at a Liverpool football game, the European Cup game. And then like all of a sudden, there's just like red alert everywhere. US, were going like, to go into shutdown. So I got back and I was supposed to go to Detroit. And then I ended up getting flown home and then SmackDown moved, was moved from Detroit down to the PC where, where we had that like, kind of like historic SmackDown, but there was nobody there. And Hunter and um, Hunter was on commentary. But it just... It just feels it was so surreal that I can kind of remember that it was just so surreal seeing that. But now, yeah. I mean, that the fact that that's the norm now is just crazy. For me, it's just been like a situation where I've embraced this. I mean, any opportunity—if uh, you get out, like you got to make the most of any opportunity or any situation—and I feel like this sort of environment has suited me really well because I'm great at talking, great at like throwing abuse to people, especially Michael Cole, Michael Cole, <laughs> and, and talking to my opponents. And I feel like it's it's given me a great outlet to to just display to show a different side of me. I feel like some, in the beginning, I think I think a lot of the, the, the guys and girls now are getting more in tune with it. But there was definitely a situation for a while where a lot of the, the wrestlers were just kind of like, it was just that, that moment, that awkward silence that came up and they just didn't know what to do. And it just yeah. felt weird, especially when I, I watched show I watched some of the matches and maybe some of the guys or girls, I'd be like, you know, just so he's to talking to fans, but they'd be like, they'd be shouting at ghosts and, you yeah, exactly. know, cheering, cheering up the ghosts in the arena. And, uh, but for me, it was all, I always knew what I was going to do. I always put it on the opponents, put it on, or put it on, um, the ref or put it on Cole. Cole is just, just a great target. Really.
1: <laughs> he is it's always fantastic. there. Just the abuse he deals with from, from me. And then now he gets on the other side of the table from everybody else. Yeah. So you found yourself in recent times, uh, embroiled in a a rivalry with Jeff Hardy, which a lot of people would consider somewhat controversial due to today's standards, just to the content of, you know, dealing with his alcoholism and you utilizing that as a storyline. Have you got any sort of backlash from that?
0: Oh, yeah. I think uh, I've got a serious amount of backlash. Uh, A lot of people really, really, really hate me right now.
1: (laughs) Which, which is a good thing in character mode. Well,
0: of course. You know, listen, you know, when we're in WWE, man, it's talk about blurred lines. I actually read an interview there about Bobby Lashley talking about the situation with him and Lana and how he had to, like, talk to his kids about what was going on and, like, some people blur the lines, you know what I mean? And it, it is. Like, we're you know, listen, at the end of the day, man, we're characters, and my job is to be the most hated character ever, and I, I thrive in that situation. And this, this current environment has given me... A great opportunity to like just divulge into that. I remember there's a time, mate, when you know, I was when I first started, I was I I don't know what it was. Obviously, this is what I want to do my whole life, and the aggression part of the ring has always been easy for me. But like, I always felt promos and stuff in the ring, I I definitely felt short, I was not where I needed to be. And you know, I trip over words and trip over things I have to say because um, I have to get this promo absolutely right, you know, and uh, it, it definitely held me back quite a lot in my career. My look was so unique, shape, I, you know, I was big, pasty Irish dude, and it's said sort of aggression. No, no one could match me with aggression in the ring, but when it came to the stick, you know what I mean, I was just like, I left a lot to be desired, and I feel like when you talk about coming back with passion, I feel like I am, I, I, I knew that there was certain things in my game that had to be worked upon. Because when I was with Cesaro and the bar, we weren't really challenged in that situation. You know, we'd share almost together, but you're at a tag team, you're sharing a lot of things, you're sharing the load. But I knew coming back into a singles competitor, Corey, I was like, you know, there's certain things in my game that need to be tightened up. One was my physique, which I wasn't happy where that was. And I put like training twice a day and just get stuck on my diet, into my diet and training and like being religious about that. But also the other side was like, you know, nail on nailing my promos and, nail, and, and 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 making sure that nobody can touch me in that, in that era. And I feel like especially in the last couple of months, I feel like I'm just a, a whole new different a different world, a different league when it comes to that. And I'm enjoying this stuff with Jeff because it's given my character a lot of opportunity to play words and I'm really like just watch the reaction, especially on social media, about how much people hate me right the more i enjoy <laughs> sticking a knife into jeff
1: i i just was always I was curious about that i mean because i obviously people get upset about a lot of different things these days but jeff's been very open about his his addiction and his struggles and this comeback and, and i think it's i actually personally enjoy it we get to blur the lines as far as reality and storyline in this particular instance i was just curious what you were what you were getting on your side
0: yeah a lot trust me it's a lot i think the two most hated people in america well, I'm definitely, and so uh, on my feed. anyway, at one stage, like when we went to the, uh, I'm trying to think what the, the original story was. I think it was when Jeff got hit by a car. I got, oh, yeah, of, yeah. I, got I got a lot of um,
1: <laughs> hatred over that one, but
0: I'm innocent. I'm innocent. I said, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. That's it. What can I say?
1: <laughs> so obviously this week we get to look forward this, this will air on Thursday, which is 24 hours prior to the toast to Jeff Hardy which I am uh, morbidly curious about. I'm not asking any more questions. You don't have to spoil anything for us.
0: You know, I just, I still how toast Jeff. You know what I mean? He's done a lot of great things in his career. He's been very, very successful. He's held pretty much every title there is to hold. Like he's very, very well-known superstar. Like, I mean, people will talk about him in the same breath as, as so many of our icons, um, especially he's been through the Attitude Era Uh, all the way through. I mean, was it 97, 98 he came in with his brother Matt and and he's still here, you know, and he's still like, he's still a well-loved superstar, but he's got so many flaws. And I just want to toast the good times Jeff has had in his career in WWE. So this is just, it's just me making a point to everybody out there.
1: Time travel to fun in the 16th
0: century at the Maryland Renaissance Festival. Ten stages, food, pubs, shopping, jousting. Saturday, Sundays, and Labor Day Monday through October 24th. For tickets, visit MarylandRenaissanceFestival.com.
1: Save big on admission through September 12th. What you're talking about is is essentially what you've been saying on television as far as you you feel underappreciated.
0: Very underappreciated. You
1: have, but how much truth is there? There's got to be at least a, a... Kernel of, of a real feeling in there because you you and I have discussed this. You've done everything there is to do. We talk about it on commentary. You've been you've held every championship. You've won King of the Ring and Royal Rumbles. Does that eat at you? Does that motivate you that you're often overlooked? Absolutely,
0: of course. it motivates me. I just I've got a lot to prove still. People say, "Well, why have you got left to prove? you pretty much won everything apart from the Intercontinental Title." That's still on. That's still very much on a list, and that's why it was kind of a little bit more of a sore point when you know, I got eliminated from that tournament, but yeah, of course I'm under, oh, uh, uh, you know, I'm underrated. There's no doubt about it. So I can't do a flip off a top rope or something, or I can't do a bleeding moonsault. Like, you know, there's a lot of people from day one, I was, I was actually in with a black mark about, you know, who I am. And like, apparently I was like, so when I first started, Triple H was there and he took me under his wing and he was just like, listen, we, I went to a tour in Australia and, uh, I didn't know anybody because I was about. I was on SmackDown. We got switched to a tour for Raw for Australia 2009. And he said, listen, you don't know anybody. He said, if you want, just, just come to the gym, work out. You know what I mean? And I'll watch your matches and give you any feedback. And I was blown away. If you do that now, everybody in NXT does that now, right? And there's not one thing said about it, right? That they're all triple. They are all go online. and You see Finn Balor and everybody and Tommaso Champa, you know, and Adam Cole, like, talk about... Triple H when I when I got like help and I never went out there and pushed it out there it was like I went to the gym and once or twice maybe two or three times we had our workouts and apparently I'm Triple H's workout buddy I got blasted by everybody who was in contact with dirt sheets so if those was around was like oh, let's talk to dirt sheets I get over with the dirt sheets yep. and I got absolutely blasted man I was like oh, I'm up so far with Triple H's I'm a kiss. And this and this so no matter what i did in the first couple of years like to achieve, achievement wise it was blacklisted i only got that because you know he's up triple h or he's only got this because he's like you know, all this sort of stuff not alone the fact that i bust my balls i was like doing five six shows a week i was driving to shows i didn't have to be there just to go there and learn i was going to fcw when i could have been sitting at home to keep learning and None of that really mattered. All the, all the only narrative people saw was that I was a kiss. So right off the off the get-go, man, it was just like, boom. Especially when I won that title off John in uh, 2009 at TLC. Bro, so many people, fella, were so mad. They were so <laughs> mad. The like, who the f*** is this guy coming in here? Who is he? Where did he come from? I've been here six years. I've been here eight years. I've never been WWE champion. He's here five minutes and he's WWE champ. So it's like that. Even that way, that just blew it way out of it. You know what I mean? But uh, but I've always I've always done that, dude. It's just like I've always been like literally trying, like always pushing, like even the matches. You know, I always, my biggest style is very aggressive style. I bring the best out of people. You start a match with Jeff, right? I mean. Yep. Like people loved it because it was so real, but like that's my style, man. Like, like I don't go out to kill anybody, and I expect that he hit back just as much or as hard as I hit. Right. But it's like, Corey, it's just like, you know what I mean? It's never me. It's always like, hey, <laughs> oh, he carried Sheamus to a great match. This guy carried Sheamus to a great match. Like, oh, okay, what's what's the pattern here? You know what I mean? Don't worry about the- No, no, we're not giving that redheaded bollocks any credit. No way.
1: <laughs> no way. Now, was that something you had to learn to, to deal with? Even back to the Triple H Association, was that something that came with time where you sort of accepted it and realized what it was? Or, or was it something like inherently natural to you where you were kind of like, whatever, I don't care?
0: Yeah, you know, look, my mind, my mindset was like, you know, I just want to go in there and this is my dream. I'm not just coming over here to be a fan. I'm coming over here to be successful. Uh, I dealt with all that when I was in Ireland, about like how people, I said, I want to be a WB superstar, wrestler, whatever. And they're like, like, yeah, that's a great idea. And they turned their back on me. When, I, when my back was turned, they'd be just laughing at me. Stay this guy. I worked in IT for years. And, you know, the first time I went to, I went over to the States, I went to Larry Sharp's Monster Factory. And it didn't really work out. Um, but back then, even, it was still, so they will laugh And then I, then I did it. And then all those people who like, who doubted me? They are just like, "Oh, uh, I always believed in you." Yeah, right. yeah,
1: we knew you'd do
0: it. And I'm like, "All right, yeah, I got a how Just, I was like, "No worries." And then it was like, "Well, can I get a picture from my son? Can I get this from my son and <laughs> my nephew and all this?" I was like, "Yeah, sure," but that—that's just what I dealt with. But when I got over there, it was different. Like when I got to the main roster and I, I started seeing it, the first thing that happened, Matt, was that. Uh, so there's a story going around, right? This, this legendary story about me and Yoshi Tatsu, right? So this is when this, this is the first thing that, that was kind of like, and this didn't come up until I won the title. This is how I knew people were really trying to like stick daggers in me, right? So um, me and Teddy Biossi Jr. were sharing an apartment and Yoshi had just come over from New Japan and he was, he know, basically the guy he was supposed to stay with left him, left him high and dry, right? So we took Yoshi into our, into our apartment, right? So we actually took him in, Ted stepped on the couch and he took Ted's room, right? And we didn't really know this fella, but everyone seemed to like him, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it was good, you know? But then I was like, you know, but then the situation was we were on 500 bucks a week and he was right. getting allowance, whatever, but he wasn't paying for any bills. He wasn't paying for any, any uh, like any bills, any water, any cable, any gas, any of that stuff, right? So we were kind of like, not only were we like with 500 books a week, we're taking care of ourselves, but we're also taking care of him. Right. So we had a couple of little conf- conflicts, whatever. And then it kind of boiled over one time. And uh, we had like, there was like a bit of a shoving thing, right? And uh, he threw a slap at me and I threw a slap at him. And that was it, right? So that was it basically, right? It was just kind of like, it was like two two handbags. You know what I mean? Right. Like flying at each other, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like, it was it lasted about, it lasted about maybe 60 seconds. It was just like a couple of like shoves and stuff and slap yeah, and yeah. slap. And that was it, right? And so we're like, okay, so we're we all right, listen. We got over it, we all worked it out. And then all of a sudden, then after the uh the TLC match when I became W champion, all these stories are going around that Yoshitatsu knocked me out. I, I, I was heard, just like I heard that I, I was story. I was just like yeah. I was just like, what? And then I, like, <laughs> I was like, where did this come from?
1: Yeah, that was that like, was oh. that was FCW folklore. I think I heard yeah, it down there, yeah. yeah
0: it was it was just like this thing that never happened, and then it was just like blown out of proportion, and I talked to him about it, you know, in fairness, when I wasn't there, uh drew caught him once or twice, like just like going along with the story because he thought he was going to be you know making a big man, whatever, but I talked to him about it like I talked about it, and confronted him about it. he was like no, no, I never said that, whatever, but it was just this thing that just got blown <laughs> just out
1: just took on a life of its own,
0: I, yeah, and then I was just like and then you know I, but that that's that's when I knew like I was like, okay there's there's certain, people, there's certain people out to get me. In, and that was construed with the Triple H story of me being his workout buddy. And all that stuff didn't come out until a lot of like the Yoshi thing was like about a year and a half before that. And then the the Triple H thing was like you know, July or June, no, June, maybe. So all that stuff didn't come out. And, you know, it was like whatever the, the fact me becoming WWE World Heavyweight Champion 2009, like so fast. That's, that really triggered people. Like oh like, yeah. How how do we get this guy? How do we like <laughs> how do we like put a dampener on this guy? You know what I mean? So that was the story there, yeah. So it just you know what I mean? It it, it 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 was always for me an uphill battle to try and, you know, win over like, you know, get that get that respect, you know, that people like, oh Seamus is a great worker and, and this and that. And it just I just kind of like See, I'm, I'm I'm a redhead. Coming from red, being a redhead, you, you just get a lot of stick anyway as a kid. You know what I mean? Being pasty and red. Um, so I'm just used to always getting abused. But uh, but yeah, it was tough. You know, because you want sometimes you want that. You, you do want that kind of feeling, like shameless. You know, you're like you're great work you're carrying great people and stuff. You know,
1: it could take a lifetime because we're seeing it right now. Uh, the sentiments regarding Randy Orton. Randy yeah. has been consistent and great for, for, since he's showed up here in WWE. And just now people are starting to go, Oh man, Randy Orton's awesome. And yeah. everybody's known it for years, but it's just now come to like, he's crossed the threshold with, with the internet and, and the, the smart wrestling fan where it's like, Oh, this guy, who, same thing, nepotism. He's only here because his father and his grandfather, you're always trying to tear you down. But now on a long enough timeline, it becomes undeniable. People go, oh, yeah, you know what? He's been around for so long because he's really good. And you're going to find yeah. yourself in that same category sooner than later. I mean, you've been 11, <laughs> uh, there you 11 years now.
0: <laughs> 11 years from now. What am I here with the company now? So I debuted in '09. June 30th uh, was the day I debuted 2009 in ECW against a guy called Oliver John but yeah listen I'm not I'm, I doesn't. I you know I'm not worried about it you know what I mean like I know I know how good I am I know what I bring to the table and I know that when I'm in there whoever I'm in there I'm going to bring the best out of them and in a very very physical way and that's that's, that's what's my goal and my goal is always to put on like the most physical match that that you know that people watch and like they'll, they'll watch a lot of different matches but then when they see mine they're like holy shit. like the other match was a great kind of like like match for athleticism, but this one, these guys are beating the it's a fight. Be good, right? yeah exactly
1: it's a fight exactly
0: yeah. So that, that's that's really good. but let's, let's talk about Randy man. Randy is like I remember Bruce Pritchard came down. Bruce used to come down on his first before he went away. It's the second stint I think. But well, he come down to FCW and, you know, he'd evaluate the matches and, you know, he'd, like, give critiques and talk about, you know, what, what needs to be done and what the company are looking for. Uh-huh. Like, that was the difference between FCW. I, you probably saw that, Corey, maybe. Did you? Uh, yeah, uh, with
1: FCW. I was in FCW for, I think, about, I think probably almost two years before it became NXT, I think. Right. My chronology's terrible, but, yeah. It was definitely different, but I know what you're talking about.
0: It's like an island, right? you like, being yep. on an island, right? So, it's like, you didn't, in NXT now, you've got, like, Sean Michaels, Triple H, Road Dogg—you've you know, got like all the production people there. You literally every week you're dealing with, and also you're on national TV. In that case, like it's just a different—it's uh, it's a different animal. It was a different animal back
1: then. I always like to use the analogy when talking about FCW—the Claw Machine in Toy Story with the little aliens. How we were the Great aliens, idea. and then here comes the office. The Claw would drop down and just scoop somebody, and then you'd never see him again uh, yeah. until it was on television. You know, and I remember it happened with, with Cesaro. I had known Cesaro for years on the independence. He shows up in FCW for, I don't know, like three months. And next thing you know, he's on SmackDown. And it was like, wait, how'd that happen? And then you've got Mm. this traffic jam and Rollins was down there. Bray Roman. We're all still down there. And they just, they needed him at the time. It was, it was just a really strange situation.
0: Yeah. Very, very strange. It it was the same for me. I, I, I was hearing all these different things. I was like one time at one stage, I heard like I was supposed to go back to Ireland for Christmas and then they were telling me not to go. It was an angle on ECW that uh it was Mark Henry and Tony Atlas taking on Fifth Finley and Hornswoggle. And the idea was that I was going to join Finley and Hornswoggle. And then that was all set to go. I remember I went up for a dark match or truth at the time. Uh I think we were in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And then all of a sudden I was told it's not happening. And then I went back down. Uh, I went, I went back home to Ireland, but then you know, eventually got called up in the road. Me and Drew actually got Drew McIntyre got called in the road at the same time. He went to SmackDown, and I went to Raw. And we're doing like live events, crossing over. And then eventually I um I debuted on ECW with a bunch of people. But uh yeah, it was just like there was never anything set in stone. It was never like this is where it's gonna happen. It just you know happened. I heard it was gonna go to Raw at one stage and SmackDown and then I went to E C W and they, they they shuffled a lot of people around between the three brands.
1: Aside from Triple H and the exorbitant amount of time you clearly spent with him every day (laughs) (laughs) who were some of the guys that helped you along the way when you first came up
0: so backstage would definitely be regal was big help Mm -hmm. regal and and scott armstrong i drove with them regal would watch the match and give me his feedback you know and of course me coming from ireland and watching regal and the world of sport you know, he was a huge influence on me. Um, when I got to the main roster, Fifth Finley was fantastic, phenomenal. As an a- agent wise, he was the one. He's the one I looked up to more than anybody. He's just so creative, so outside like the box, so different. And he'll, you'd be like banging your head off a wall trying to come up with something that's just different. Because you know, it's, it with so many matches on TV, it's so easy sometimes to do the same thing over and over again.
1: Right. But Fit would we'll just go, "Well, what about this?" And you go.
0: How would you think about, where did that come from? You know
1: what I mean? Yeah. And it's just so simple. Simple, right. It's it's profound how simple it is. He's the best at that.
0: Yeah, it'd just be like so simple. Like I, 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 That's why you're fit family. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that's why you're fit. And he, he, he'd always be thinking himself different things and just always want to be different. He was the, the perfect example of someone who wants to be completely different. than uh, His match be completely different than everybody, everybody else's. Um, in the ring, wise, um, I wrestle I got to wrestle a lot of guys who helped me just get my feet wet. You know what I mean? When I was doing those like live events and, and dark matches, it would have to be uh, uh, Tommy Dreamer. wrestling. him. Tommy was great. Brian Kendrick was awesome. I wrestled Jamie a bunch of times. The one so the one guy I loved working with more than anybody, and the one guy who actually was the reason that I was fast tracked from ECW to Raw. Was Goldust. We had this feud on ECW. Um, we just had chemistry right away, and he was so open to everything. And like, it was just, it was just awesome. It was like, I think that the the, the last match we had to end the feud was main event of ECW, and it was like after a couple of weeks, it just it just got fast tracked. Everybody was into it. It again was a hard hitting fight, but it was fun, and he really really fast tracked me, like inside the ring, fast tracked me. Uh, to getting to getting moved to Raw and uh, going to that program with John I think even John talked to him on one stage because I think John and Randy had like finished their program for months they were like talking for a long time I mean they were working for a long long time and I think they had that last Ironman match where it was like I don't know what the f- it was, like 15 falls to 14 yeah. or something
1: <laughs> yeah oh yeah I remember that one yeah
0: yeah so they needed new opponents for, uh, for Randy and John and Randy went with Kofi and I went with John, and I think it was John talked to, to Goldust and the Sustanio. I didn't, I didn't find it out until afterwards, but we Sustanio, and then we had a match on the European Tour in Minehead, and John um, was happy where everything went, and then John gave him the green light. You know, a lot of people don't realize that it was John's call. It was John's call to uh, to, to do that field. So that Goldust really, really, really helped me in, in that situation. I actually remember at the TLC match. Uh, San Antonio, was it? San Antonio. I remember uh I just done a quick feud with Shelton after Dolos and Shelton was wrestling, Christian. I was in the ring and Shelton just came over to me and he's like, he goes, holy shit. He goes, they already put a rocket under your ass, didn't they? I was like <laughs> I, was, I was like, I need to pinch myself, man. I was like, I don't even know what's going on. I'm just like, I'm just I'm just here in the moment. <laughs>
1: It's all because you were spotting Triple H on the bench. That's why. That's the important that's thing it. to
0: that's, that's, Yeah, it's was, it was, it was good, good at giving them a spotting bench, a spot and bench you, know? you know. That's the motivator. Come on, H. Just three more reps. Come on, H. Come on. You're the game, bro. You're the game.
1: So looking, looking across the landscape now of WWE, who are you looking forward to working with? Is there anybody that you haven't locked up with that you, you're looking forward to at some point?
0: Man, I'm looking forward to working with a lot of people. I have been lucky enough to be in through the stage of working with like so many like great guys, great agents who are kind of like I've got to stay gone, but some of them are coming back. Right, <laughs> you know, like Edge came back. Yeah, Mark Morrison came back. Yeah, like, uh, just, there's just there's so many people coming back. I've seen the the, the, the picture of like. 2012 is alive and well in 2020. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's a lot of people I love, to, I love to wrestle. I love to wrestle Morrison again. That's for sure. That's one thing. We had a great feud back in 2010. One of my best, one of my favorite matches from TLC 2010, we had a ladder match, a contract ladder match. Matt Riddle, though, I would love to wrestle Matt Riddle. I actually watched Matt Riddle and AJ, and they bet the <laughs> out of each other, and I'm on the floor going, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And I like this. I like this. <laughs> I think Riddle would be great. AJ would be great. Corbin, I think, is great. People give out about him all the time and everything, but that's a good sign of someone doing their job. Like I see so many heels, they just want to be. They don't know what they want to be cool. You know what I mean? Like like, you know, you're not going to be a heel if you're cool. That's the thing. And then they wonder like why they're stuck in limbo sometimes. they try and do cool stuff. Corbin never has ever done anything cool his entire life. Maybe (laughs) only thing cool thing Corbin has done. Has cooked some really cool, like awesome steaks, or had some good whiskey. i
1: second that. Yeah, definitely the steaks and the whiskey. His his the king's game is on point there.
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, I'd love to get me revenge back on uh, Strowman for embarrassing me and Tony at WrestleMania.
1: Do you think that mentality is? I don't want to say missing. It's definitely not absent. But do you think it should be maybe more prevalent in the locker room as far as everyone understanding? they're playing a role, not even necessarily in just WWE locker room, but in the business as a whole.
0: I think so. Yeah, I do. I think there's that. I think there's moments in time where, you know, like you have, sometimes you have to push back on certain things. There, look like at the end of me and Tony, like we did a lot of things, you know, we, 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 uh, we did that match, obviously then the Royal rumble with Shane and Miz and like, we're getting beat so much that like, it just became, it was kind of like the end of the road for the bar, you know, because we kind of run out of road. We hit a cul-de-sac and it was, it was like, you know, there's some point where like the value of what you're doing diminishes and diminishes and diminishes, if, you know, if you're losing all the time, right? So you lose that kind of credibility, no matter how, you know, strong you are perceived together, you know, and how legit you guys are, there came a point where we just like consistently losing, losing, and it's just like, well, the bar just. That's that's why it was time to take a break from the bar, like the, this, we created an amazing legacy, five tag team championships. You know what I mean? We'd like some amazing matches, some of the most of, the funnest and best matches we've ever had, right? But if you just keep getting beat all the time, then it just then it runs out of road. Now it's great. your credibility is going less and less. Right? That's when it comes to a point where you're kind of like, look, okay, you have to take a stand and go, well, this this is this, this is too much. Losing to like something like Braun and a kid at Mania like a one off thing and everything, you know, that's 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 a completely different situation. And yeah, you have to realise that your your characters in the show. But on the other side, if you if if something is happening consistently one after the other after the other after the other, and you can see and feel that the reaction to your your team or, or what you're doing is getting less and less because that's just now how you're being perceived you're by the fans and everything, then you're gonna have to go, Well look, you know I need I need to step in here and say look this is not good for our character the character is like really, uh, it's losing a lot of momentum and it's losing a lot of credibility and you know that's a, that, that's a moment to step in and, and do that but to lose a match here or there or in a situation like that like oh man that's that that is what it is that's you know that's that's an entertainment it's an entertaining segment to the people watching right. um, and you got to realize like you're not actually losing it's like yeah. You know, it's 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 entertainment. You know, it's 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 a match. It's a, it's a show, and that's that's where you gotta. You know, that's where you gotta you gotta decipher or separate, separate both of those things. Is that making sense?
1: Yes, I, make I a understand sense? It completely. It makes perfect sense, at least to me, it does. If anybody else does, I'm not losing. I'm not losing.
0: I'm not losing the kid. Well, I'm not losing the kid. But I'm not losing the kid. You know, I'm a man. I'm a grown man, and that's another thing too. I remember like. For all the stuff I've done and the wins I've done, I've look, I, I've been, you know, I've been, I've, I've lost them too, man. I've lost some like kind of like so-called whatever, embarrassing. Uh, why am I doing quotations all the time? I don't know what's in my head. <laughs> I've lost some embarrassing stuff. You know what I mean? Like the kid thing. I remember I got, uh, Biggie knocked me out with a turkey one time for uh, Thanksgiving oh, yes. special. Like, you know what I mean? Like, for like, people can't say shit about me, you know? Like, going, oh, he doesn't do this, doesn't do that. Yeah, I do. I've, you know, I can say I've done one, but I've also done, I've done both, both ends of the, both both sides of the scale.
1: Seamus, uh, before I let you go, I need to ask about your uh, budding guitar career. You posted some photos on Instagram. Have you learned or had any success with the new instrument?
0: Zero success. Zero. zero success my girlfriend actually gave me the other day because like why I haven't picked up the guitar in a while i my thing was i worry really, i was <laughs> i really want to learn um uh written in my face which is my original song yeah i wanted to learn that and sing and put it on social which i will i will get back to that because you know now i've got no excuses anymore but um i'll get back to that but i have not i actually i played the guitar when i was a teenager and i was wasn't bad at it i wasn't great but it wasn't bad and um it was funny when i started playing the guitar again like a lot of stuff started coming back to me but it takes you know you got to put a lot of time into it and everything but the reason i wanted to written on my face is because when i came back i wanted to this conversation with Vince about bringing my original music back because i had the original look with a slight twist on it you know what i mean the gear and everything and it was seamus 2.0 coming back and I said, you know, I want to have written in my face. Everybody wants written in my face. It's a shameful thing. Yeah. Blasted, you know? Yeah. He goes, what's that? I said, it's my, <laughs> my, original, my original music. It's my original music. It's what I debuted in WWE in 2009. What I won multiple titles with. I mean he listened to it. Uh, I don't remember that. It sucks. That's the like, Oh, that's tremendous! That's like bollocks. Oh, so man. I'm gonna try and get it. I haven't forgotten. I haven't given up on the song. I'm determined to get it back out there. We even, we even, I even tried to get like a, another version of it done. Right? So yeah. we got the version. It was kind of like the same, but like a little bit jazzed up, a little bit heavier. Nope. Absolutely hated it. it gets, Not uh, that, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, good luck on your uh, on your musical journey. I can't confirm this, but I have heard rumors that if you want to get really good at guitar, you have to go to the gym with Triple H.
0: That's true. That's, that's true. <laughs> while while he's, uh, while he's squatting, you just start strumming the guitar <laughs> behind him. Because that's a good way of him not throwing a dumbbell at your head. Yeah. So just strumming the guitar. Yeah. Right on. Oh, what a, what a, one 11 years it's been, man. This, this is a good week for me, like, celebrating 11 years in WWE. On their on a the roster, I've been with the company since '07, but like on TV, 11 years—it's cool.
1: And that's that's legit. That's a that's real longevity in this in this place.
0: Yeah, because I remember we did a meeting one time, and I'm holding on this So, and I remember uh, we brought. It must have been like five, six years ago, and and Vince was talking about like how the average career time in WWE at the time was like five or six years. I'm, I'm almost double that.
1: Yeah, I'm almost double that. Yeah. Good All on you. I do. <laughs> what am I doing with my life, Corey? What am I doing with my life? You're stuck here. You'll be, you'll be a lifer like me.
0: 42 running around and bleeding speedos on national TV. Hey. Screaming at people. Screaming at people.
1: And, and having hitting a them in the chest time. as hard
0: as fuck. Oh yeah, I love it. <laughs> I just want to get coal up on those ropes, man. I want to get coal up there and just, just start going. One of
1: these days. I'm sure he'd love it. He'd complain about it, but he'd brag about it for the next, just like it's WrestleMania undefeated streak. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway. Look, I'll let you go, man. I just want to say congratulations on 11 years. Here's to Thanks. 11 more. And uh, also, congratulations on Liverpool winning their, uh, their Yeah, idol. thank yeah. you very
0: much. I appreciate that. 30 years, I put a post out uh, where when I was 12 years old. I said, this is the amount of time it's taken for Liverpool to win the league from 1990 to 2020. It's the only good thing that's come out of 2020, to be honest. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's, it, was, it was very, very cool, Corey. Um, I'll have to get you a Liverpool jersey, too, to go with that Boston Scally t-shirt you're wearing right there now we go. Look, and I, the Boston Scally hat, which I, which I have introduced you to myself, But You way, sure did. Scally wags for life, bro. Scali wags for life, better. There you go.
1: Got to represent. And uh, where can everybody find your Celtic Warrior Workouts? Oh, on my YouTube
0: channel, uh, Celtic Warrior Workouts on YouTube. Just check there it out. You go. going in, You're hopefully going to be on the channel one day. Even One I'm of not these days.
1: To, uh, I know. I know. I'm going to just keep delaying it. I'm going to keep pushing back. But, you know, one of these days.
0: We can do a couples workout, you and Carmela. Yeah,
1: there you go. That would be good. You <laughs> so, know? so you could just embarrass me in front of her.
0: She's <laughs> embarrassed me already. One uh, workout, so embarrass us both.
1: All good, man. Now it's time to say goodbye. That's the Mickey Mouse Club. This is after the bell, but it is time to say goodbye, but not before I throw some wisdom your way. This is from Seneca, the great stoic teacher. A gem cannot be polished without friction, nor a man perfected without trials. That's some Zen for you. I'm full of it. Thanks one more time to the Celtic warrior Seamus for hanging out. Follow us at after the bell, WWE on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And, Join the conversation using the hashtag after the bell. I say this each and every week, but if you're using Apple podcasts and you haven't left us a review, you're the problem. You should be ashamed of yourself. Shoot us five stars now. It helps spread the word. And if you're using an Android, follow ATB on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or Google podcasts so that you never miss an episode. You can follow me at WWE Graves and I will be back next week. With more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell.